another week gone and we're into yet another episode of Try Talk SA. This one is episode number 29. My name is Brad Brown. I'm the host of Try Talk SA and it's an absolute pleasure to hang out with you and spend some time chatting triathlon, in particular here in South Africa. Coming up on this week's show, two pretty cool interviews, I think. I get asked so often, how do you become a triathlon coach in South Africa? And uh, to be honest, I don't know the answer, but I do now because I caught up with Neil McPherson uh, just to find out the ins and outs. Uh, Neil is the sort of uh, coaching coordinator for Triathlon South Africa. He's based down in Cape Town, uh, and he writes the curriculum that uh, the accredited coaches or the coaches that get accredited through Triathlon South Africa have to go through. And uh, he talks us through the process. He also touches on some really important things that you as an athlete should be looking for in a coach. So if you're considering getting a coach or if you've got a coach now that you're not quite sure if this relationship's on the right track, Neil sort of touches on exactly what you should be looking for when it comes to getting a coach. I think it's well worth the listen. And then also caught up with a guy who's truly inspirational, Stan Andrews, or like uh, as he likes to call himself, Stan the Man. Uh, <laughs> just a really cool chat. Stan's one of uh, the up-and-coming paratriathletes. He's got his eyes set on Rio 2016, and he is an amazing guy with uh, just an incredible spirit. And I hope you're going to enjoy that interview on this week's show as well. As always, uh, if you'd like to be in touch, it's pretty easy to touch base with me. You can pop me an email, podcast at trytalksa.coza. You can also, if you'd like, uh, tweet us, which we love, at trytalksa. Or if you're on Facebook, uh, just look us up. Uh, you can just type in this URL. Okay? It's facebook.com forward slash trytalksa. It's as simple as that. But enough of me waffling again this week. Let's head straight into our first interview, and we'll kick things off with Stan. Yeah, I tell you, we've we've chatted to some amazing uh, triathletes here on TriTalk SA over the last few months since we launched and got another one on the show this week. And it's an absolute pleasure to welcome uh, Stan Andrews onto the show. Stan, welcome onto TriTalk SA. How's it, Brad? How are you? Yeah, very, very good, mate. Uh, lucky to catch up. I met you. I'm trying to think where I met you first. It was uh, Globally Live in Cape Town, I think it was. Uh, not Cape Town. It was uh, the Sun City one in November last year. And, and no, was, wasn't it? Where it was, was it? It was it was fifty one fifty, I think, at Germiston. Was it? That's where it was. Fifty one fifty Germiston. Gee, they all sort of blend into one for me. But uh, you did make an impression, <laughs> and uh, yeah, since then been wanting to chat to you, and finally getting around to doing it. Stan, you're a, what they call a, a para triathlete. You, you're a disabled triathlete, but you you just out there slugging it out with the best of them. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and and for people who haven't seen you out on the course, uh, who is Stan Andrews? Well, people who haven't seen me, I have to apologize the injustice that they've, you know, missed out on, on a really good looking guy out there. But, um, <laughs> you know, if, if they, if, if they, if they keep their eyes peeled, they can, they can see me around every now and then. But no, Brad, um, this, this started about six months ago, six and a half, seven months ago. Um, I met somebody over in the States who was a paratriathlete and he also said to me, he said, why, why don't you do it? Cause I said to him, I'm, you know, avid cyclist. I like getting fit and things like that. And then I said to myself, well, why not? And, I set myself a goal, which was the 5150. Let me, you know, see if I can do that and do it well, which I was happy that I did. And uh, in the in the meantime, what happened is I, you know, as everybody in this industry got pulled straight ahead first into it, and now it's become one of my passions. And um, with concern to the para tri, uh, tri side of it, um, same thing. You know, I've just realised that that I am 
I think I'm 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 good enough to compete uh, at a level, you know, like SA champs and possibly world champs eventually. And so at the moment, I'm just giving it my all, trying to get there. Yeah, and you mentioned South African champs. Uh, that's coming up in just a few weeks from now, and and you're going. Yeah, that's in a frighteningly close three weeks from now, <laughs> but I'm I'm going. I managed to to qualify at uh, Central Gauteng Champs at Germiston, and I made the team. So yeah, we're off to East London on the 21st of March. We race the 23rd. Brilliant, Stan. Just let's let's talk about the the disability. I mean, a lot of times it's a it's a mindset thing, and 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 I chat to a lot of athletes who have, have got some sort of disability, and I, I'm just amazed by the mindset. And you're another prime example that yeah, you've got a disability, but so what? Yeah, Brad. There's there's you know my key phrase, and I can't claim it because I think some famous, really intelligent person invented it one day. But I I live by it, and that's the only disability in life is a bad attitude, and it really is that. I mean, you know, I'm not some some sun, sunshine and moon guy that's going to run around and, you know, never, never get down or anything like that. But I must tell you that, you know, that's something I live by. So I, I don't see my disability as a disability. I see that I'm a little bit different, but, you know, we have to make do with what we've got. Yeah, I mean, you, you've been dealt this this hand, so to speak, and, and, and it is what it is. And, and I love that uh, about you. You've just got such a cool attitude, and, and, and it is what it is. And, and it's, you're not going to let it slow you down and, and, and stop you doing things that, that maybe an able-bodied person can do and that a lot of able-bodied people don't do because you say triathlon's fairly new and, and it's only probably six, seven months old that you've been in the sport, but you've done a whole bunch of other things too that, that most able-bodied people wouldn't even sort of consider trying. Well, this is what I tell people as well. You know, people's number one thing, especially uh, fellow amputees, um, always say to me, oh, you know, Stan, but I'm, I'm not at your level or whatever. And I say to me, no, well, we also, you know, I also started off right at the bottom. And it doesn't matter how fast you are, you know, you're faster than the guy on the couch. And I think that's the key element is to get off your ass. And, you know, you, you, you said that I've done a lot of other things. And that's my motivation to people, able-bodied and disabled, is, I've climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. I've done the 94.7 cycle challenges. I'm doing the August this weekend. I do triathlons. You know, there's nothing I won't do. And and I've always posed that challenge out to anybody as well. If if anybody would like to challenge me, I'm up for it. I have no fear. You know, fear is temporary. Regret is permanent. And that's another thing I live by. And that's it. I mean, get out there and do it. You don't want to end up regretting something that you could have done when you were younger, when you were fitter, when you were healthier. And I don't want to get up one day and go like, oh, yeah, but I didn't have a leg. And that's why I didn't do it. Because you know what? I do have a leg. It's just made out of carbon fiber. That's the only difference. Yeah, exactly. And and Stan, I mean, you're saying people, and I think a lot of it is has got to do with fear. And that, and that was why, why I wanted to chat as well is I think a lot of people fear failure. But, but I mean, failure, it's just what you make of it. Again, it's an attitude change. If you do fail at something or you set a goal and it doesn't happen, just go do it again. And I think that's uh, also a lot of times what stops people. I actually sent out a tweet yesterday saying, don't don't fear failing, rather fear not ever trying at all. It's fine to try and to fail and get up and try again. But if you're not going to try at all, that's failure. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Stan, I hope you don't mind. Let's talk about, about your disability and, and, and sort of what what it is and, and sort of how it came sure. about. Were you born like it? You're an amputee, and I want to get into your sense of humor as well, because that was one of the things that stood out as well when I first met you. But let's talk about the, the, the disability itself. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm what they call a, a below-knee amputee, so my right leg is missing the foot, uh, so to speak. And um, obviously my, my, leg, my right leg as a whole is a little bit underdeveloped. And people say to me, what happened? And I go, well, I don't know. My mother, my mother has promised that she didn't abuse any, any substance while pregnant with me. 
And I guess, you know, God didn't want me to be a sprinter. So I've turned out to be a triathlete. And that's what I tell people, you know, because literally I was born like that. I was born as a deformed foot, which I walked on until the age of three. And um, then it's, I got my first prosthetic because then the, the gap between the bottom of that stump and, the, you know, the floor became too big. And um, at the age seven, doctors recommended that they amputate the front half of my, what was a bit of a foot type resemblance, that they amputate that. And, you know, my folks said, well, we don't know, ask Stan. And, and at age seven, I said, well, cut it off. If I don't like it, we grow another one. <laughs> and and they said, well, we can't. If you're going to cut it off, it's off. And I said, well, you guys are doctors. I was a seven-year-old kid. So, you know, you look up to doctors and you go, well, you guys are these fantastic people. So if you're saying it must be done, then let's do it. And they did it, and I, I, if I, if I could go back to the doctors now, I would thank them because I think it was the best move in my life to amputate that front half of my foot. And yeah, and then that was it. I was on on a prosthetic for the rest of my life. Still am today. <laughs> I mean, that that's there's probably two types of 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 people who are disabled: those that were were born with with that disability, and and those where where something's happened in their life. Maybe it was an accident or, or something, and and that uh, and that happened. For someone like you, I mean, I've spoken to uh, Super Pit on on the show before, and I'm sure you've heard that yes. interview. I mean, there's someone who was who was able-bodied. He was really competitive as a triathlete, and uh, because because of a, a, a car accident, got hit by a car while he was on his bike. That's what caused his disability. I yeah. it, it must be really difficult from from a situation like that. And I'm guessing here. I don't know because I, I I don't I'm not in that situation. But for someone like Pitt, who who was able-bodied, then all of a sudden is is not. That adjustment must be quite quite difficult to wrap your head around. For someone like you, this is the way it's been your whole life, and and that's it is what it is. Absolutely, Brad. I mean, that's that's one of the questions people have asked me growing up. They said, "Don't you miss your leg?" And I say to them, well, no, because I never had one. And um, it, it, it's always it's always like that when when you speak to people who have lost their their limb in a in a traumatic experience or something like that. For the, for them, it is way more difficult because if if you at age 23, 25, 30 have to lose a leg, you have you're literally taken back to six months old again because you've got to learn to walk all over again. And the difference is now having an adult brain. You're not a baby where when you fall over and people laugh and clap at you. You're now 30 years old and you fall over and you get frustrated and you want to shout and swear and give up on life. So that takes a hell of a lot to do. So, you know, even somebody like Super Pit, I mean, I, I know him and he's, he's a fellow triathlete. I, you know, I'm super, super, super inspired by somebody like that because for you to be a tri- triathlete, have something like that happen and then say to yourself, well, I'm not going to give it up. I'm going to go right back to where I was or as close to where I was. That's real motivation. And, and you're 100% right in saying that that is more difficult. I, I'm always thankful because I always say that I'm one of the lucky ones. I grew up like this, so for me it's been easy. You know, people, you know, have always wondered how I've adapted. Well, you know, yes, I've adapted, but there hasn't been too much of an adaption because this is all that I'm used to. So, you know, I think I have a little bit of a benefit there. But in saying that, Stan, there must be times in your life where, where you, you're frustrated and you go, you know what? I wish I was. I, I wish it wasn't so. I mean, I think again of a guy like Hein Wagner, who who was born blind. Mm. We've chatted to him on the show as well. I chatted to him on radio this past weekend. I think he's he's uh, as we speak, he's he's preparing to run the Antarctica Marathon. He's on his way to South America, uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I mean, it's a phenomenal story. And and he went through a patch uh, as a teenager or as as a, as a child where he was just really angry with the world, and it was a case of why me. Surely you have times like that, Stan. And I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you don't. I, I can remember as a, as, a, as a young child, probably if, if I would put an age on it, probably somewhere between eight and twelve, 
Um, the, 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 the greatest thing about kids are, are also the, the worst thing about them is that, that they're, they're flashy honest. There's no, you know, as an adult, we can paint a pretty picture. As a kid, you're not. As a kid, you're 100% honest, straight out there. You call a spade a spade. And what had happened is, is at that stage of my life, I was teased, stared at, you know, told I, I, I couldn't fit in, you know, group of you as school kids want to, want to go throw the ball around and say, no, no, not you, you know, you're the slow guy. Or not you, you know, because you can't run. And as much as I think it, it did take me through a bad, bad patch in my life, it definitely motivated me. You know, that's probably the worst thing to do to me is to tell me I can't do something because, you know, I think anybody who's disabled um, will tell you the minute you pose that challenge, we'll, we'll go out of our way to prove that we can or we will die trying. It's one of those two things. I like it. Let's talk about your sense of humor. You've got uh, one killer sense of humor. You have a tattoo. Tell us about your tattoo. Yeah, I, I, I last year, in fact, uh, funny enough, on the Easter weekend, it, it still sticks out. I, I said to my wife, I printed a picture off the internet, and I said to my wife, what do you think of this as a tattoo on the back of my calf? And she said to me, you know, Stan, I don't, I'm not a fan of tattoos, but that is you 100%. And what it is, is on, on my, on my normal leg, on my human leg, on the back of that calf, I've, I've got a robotic hand pointing towards my prosthetic, and it says, I'm with Stumpy. And um, I must tell you, it's 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 made my legs probably the most photographed set of legs in my family, because I'll I'll be standing in a shopping centre with shorts on, and I'll have somebody random come up to me and say to me, "Hey, buddy, I don't mean to offend you, but that's the coolest tattoo. Can I just have a photo?" And it's like, "Yeah, sure, no problem," you know. So I've gotten quite used to that. But yeah, that's me. I mean, it's there's nothing. I'm not shy about it. There's nothing to hide behind. I'm, I'm with Stumpy, Stumpy Stan. <laughs> but, it's, but it's also, I think it's, it's a bit of an icebreaker as well, because often for, for able-bodied people, it's, it's, it's quite uncomfortable to chat about it because we're not quite sure how to deal with it. And I think that's just a great way to go, you know what, it is what it is. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of people. I mean, even, even when I'm out in the cradle, busy cycling on the weekend, I'll have cyclists come up from behind me and say to me, hey, cool tattoo, bud. And I'll be like, hey, thanks a lot. And then they slow down again. And they go, if you don't mind me asking what happened. So I think you're 100% correct with the, with the icebreaker part. And, you know, and I always welcome people. I say to people, rather than stare at somebody, go up and say to them, hi. I don't want to stare, but I'm really curious. Please let me know what happened. You know, and if the guy's really uncomfortable, they'll say to you, look, I don't want to talk about it. But nine times out of ten, the disabled person has some really cool story to go with it. So they're always willing to share it. You know, and, and I'm the same. You know, so if, 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 if you ever have that opportunity, feel free to come and talk to me. I mean, I, I would rather educate you and tell you about why kids call me a transformer rather than you just sit there and stare at me. Yeah, absolutely. Stan, and you know what? I think you give yourself, uh, you don't give yourself enough credit. That can't happen too often in the cradle because you, you're quite a machine on the bike. Uh, you're talking about people passing you. I don't believe that for one minute. <laughs> well, there are, are some of the, the super elites that, that practice there as well that, that, that do overtake me. But no, no, I'm, I'm an average cyclist. I'm, I'm nothing to write home about, but I'm, I'm trying to get there. Stan, let's talk about some long-term goals. You, you're going to SA Champs. You, you alluded to, to possibly trying to qualify for Worlds. Well, what's the ultimate goal of the sport? But my absolute ultimate goal, um, and I do this to myself, I don't know why, sometimes I question why I do it, but it's a good thing, is I set a goal up there and I know I'll achieve it, but it's 2016 Rio, the Paralympics, um, uh, paratriathlons will be an inaugural event there, so uh, myself as well as a few other paratriathletes um, have set that goal, for me personally that's, that's a goal, so it's SA Champs uh, in three weeks time, which I hope to do pretty well in, and then I will make my way I'll try my best this year to get to Wilt. I know there's going to be one or two overseas events and hopefully funding will be there. 
Otherwise, next year, definitely Worlds, and then 2016 has to be Paralympics. It just has to be. There's no option. I like that. That's fighting talk. Stan, we're going to follow your journey. We'll definitely chat again before then. And, uh, yeah, hopefully see you out in the cradle soon, man. Uh, you training hard. I'm uh, not training as hard as I should be, but we'll <laughs> definitely see you out there. If people want to be in touch with you, I know you hang out online and you, you tweet and you, you're on various social medias. Where, where can we find you online? Yeah, I've, I'm, my, my own Twitter handle is Stumpy Stan, so it's Stumpy underscore Stan, uh, at Stumpy underscore Stan. And then I also have a, a charity, a non-profit organization called Stand with Stan um, that, I, that I run as well. We cater to less fortunate amputees. I supply them with prosthetics. So guys that can't afford it or have very poor prosthetics, we help them into prosthetics that can get them to live a normal life. Cool. Um, so either one of those two. Otherwise, if you want to drop me an email, it's Stan at Stan with Stan. Or Facebook is Stand With Stand. It's just very repetitive. So nobody ever remembers that. Forget it. Stand With Stand. So it's Stan at Stand With Stand. Cool. 100%. Stan, what I'll do is I'll pop those links onto our website as well. So if people are listening to this episode of Try Talk SA, they can just uh, click on the show notes and then go straight through to those various uh, pages and email addresses and that sort of thing as well. 100%. And just in case anybody wonders, you're welcome to tweet me, retweet me, follow me. I really, really appreciate the support and, you know, obviously I need as much support as we can. So that's all appreciated. Awesome. Well, yeah, excellent. Stan, uh, yeah, chat soon, mate. Uh, it's brilliant catching up and, and look forward to chatting again. Brad, thanks a lot. Let's hope the weather clears up because I really, really want to go cycle tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, keep well and, and I'll chat soon to you. Cheers, mate. So often here on Try Talk SA, I'll chat to athletes and uh, they'll mention coaches and how important their coach has been or, or what they've learned from their coach. And I thought, you know what, uh, let's sort of dig deep in this coaching thing. And uh, I know Triathlon South Africa have got a program with regards to sort of coaching coaches and, and developing coaches here in South Africa. We've got some great coaches. Uh, we've spoken to a few of them here on Tri Talk SA as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, I did a bit of digging and I found out the sort of process of, of how it's all happened. And uh, it's great to welcome him onto the show. He's Triathlon South Africa's coach coordinator. That's his sort of official title uh, at Triathlon South Africa. Uh, but uh, he does a great amount of work in coaching coaches and writing the curriculum for coaches to become accredited here in South Africa. Uh, and it's uh, a big welcome to Neil McPherson. We head down to Cape Town now. Neil, welcome on to Try Talk SA. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the discussion. Neil, it's so often, and, and it's probably, I mean, I do a lot of work in, in sort of road running and trail running uh, spaces as well as cycling, and triathlon's the only real space where I find that, and it's not just the elite athletes, it's athletes across the board use coaches and i come across so many people in this space as well in the triathlon space that want to become coaches and that mm -hmm. was why i wanted to chat to you from a couple of different angles one of them is how do you become a coach how do you become a triathlon coach here in south africa okay um there's, a, there's two ways you can go about, go about it you can just do what a number of people have done and just set themselves up as a coach and say i'm going to coach people um, and they rely on their own experience and their own uh, hands-on knowledge to tell people what to do. If we want to go down the accredited route, then if you want to do the TSA triathlon courses, you first and foremost have to be a member of TSA. Um, if you're a member of TSA, then you approach your provincial body and you say, hey, I want to be involved in coaching. Uh, can I please get put onto a coaching course? Um, we run coaching courses, we're trying to get one uh, in every province, um, and you submit an application to come onto the course. Uh, it's really as simple as that. 
Um, you've got to be a member of good standing, and you've got to obviously have some experience in triathlon. Okay, and, and as far as those courses go, I mean, there's different tiers, so there's obviously basic and then more advanced. Can you talk us, I mean, you, you sure. basically put the curriculum together. Can you talk us through that curriculum? Yeah, um, we are actually in the process of uh, looking at a, a grass-level coach, uh, a coaching course, which is more of an introduction to uh, triathlon. There's a number of people out there who have got a lot of experience in running, uh, maybe experience in swimming, uh, and they've got people coming to them as triathletes wanting them to help in that specific area. So we're looking at doing a uh, literally a one-day course whereby we're introducing the sport to experienced coaches. Uh, in terms of triathlon coaching itself, the level one course, it's a uh, three-day course. We normally hold it over two weekends, uh, a Saturday, Sunday, and then another Saturday. It's fairly intensive. Um, I think most people who have done it will put their hands up and admit that uh, they were surprised about how much work is involved. The course involves uh, lecture, it involves practicals, it involves homework, it involves assessment by means of exam, practical, practical uh, giving of sessions, and also assessment of ongoing um, you know, sessions and coaching uh, that you've done in your own, in your own time. Uh, that's the level one course. In order to get onto that, as I mentioned, you've just got to be um, a TSA member of good standing, uh, put an application through to your province. Uh, they will then send it through to TSA and normally myself. And when we have enough people from a province interested in that area, we'll put a course on. Um, if you are, um, let's say, for example, you've done a sports science degree or a phys ed uh, degree, um, what we will often do is consider that as exemption from a level one course. Uh, and you can go straight on to a level two course. Now, a level two course is normally run over three weekends, not consecutively. There's a gap between them. The format, again, is the same. It's very much um, theory. Go and put that into practice in terms of practical uh, implementation. Um, it's a lot of uh, homework. Uh, and, um, again, people who have pitched up onto that course thinking uh, they can just breeze through it have, in a couple of cases, been sadly disabused of that notion. Um, <laughs> The, the, the pass rate on that was not what I would have liked, but um, we, we, uh, we're giving them a chance to second bite of the cherry. Uh, the level three course, which we have had approved by um, initial, uh, we've had interim approval, is going to be slightly different. Uh, it's going to be more of a modular base. There will be modules, core modules, for example, um, periodization, physiology, uh, testing and performance analysis, which everybody would have to do. But what we're going to be looking at doing is special modules for people who want to go into a special field. For example, if somebody wants to work in paratriathlon, then obviously they will need a more detailed knowledge of physiology, the effects of different um, uh, handicaps on people. Uh, if people want to work with children, then there'll be more of a child psychology module. And these modules can be selected by the, by the candidate, and they can actually then build up their level three. So they could have a level three coaching uh, qualification with a special field in. We're, we've got agreement on all the modules we're going to be using. Uh, we are in the process of identifying people to actually uh, develop those modules, and we're hoping that that's going to be finished before the middle of next year, the first course before the middle of next year. That is going to be a world-class course. Well, we've spoken to a number of people from international experts from over the world. They've looked at it and they said that is very, very impressive. So I think um, South Africa is going to have a, uh, a, a level three coaching course that is really world leading. 
Sounds brilliant. Uh, Cost-wise on, on these sort of courses, I mean, the, the, the level one, level two, and then, I mean, level three, obviously, that's still in, in the planning sure process. Yeah. But uh, level the, one and two, what are you looking we, at? It, it depends. And I'm not being glib when I say that. Um, a number of the provinces actually sponsor the coaches to go onto it. Uh, I, know, I know in a couple of instances, some athletes have been fully sponsored. Other athletes have actually paid part of the fee. Uh, and in lieu of that, then they're actually committing to the province to get involved and actually to help with the system. Um, a level one course, you know, it, uh, I've seen people have been paying 900 rand to come onto a level one course. Now, to give you an indication, in the UK, uh, their level one course, which uh, five years ago was in the region of 450 pounds. So when you multiply that by, what, 18 rand, you can see that 900 rand for, if that's what you get it at, is actually a bargain for a three-day course that has quite a lot in it. Yeah. All right, perfect. So, I mean, the, the costs aren't, aren't prohibitive. I mean, it's... it's not at all. Uh, exactly, not right. At all. And, if, and if, cost, if cost is a factor for somebody, then, I mean, it's, as I said, a, a number of the provinces have actually undertaken to assist in that regard. Right. Let's talk about some of the, the misconceptions about becoming a coach or, or being a coach. There's, yep. there's a, lot, a lot out there where people think you have to be a fantastic athlete, that you need to be an elite athlete to become a coach. There's a, another one that, that uh, is that you, you, you have to be an athlete. Uh, I mean, you can't coach unless you've done it. That's, that's uh, a couple of the misconceptions out there. Can you, can you deal with those? Yeah, I think it, you do need to have had some exposure to the sport. Uh, you do need to have had uh, some understanding of the workings of it and, and what it feels like. Do you need to have been an elite athlete? No. Um, if I think of some of the top coaches across all sports, um, let's take Brett Sutton, for example. Now, not everybody may approve of his methodology or of him personally, but there's no doubting that he's been a highly successful coach. Um, and yet he was never a top triathlete. Um, let's look at Darren Smith, probably the foremost women's Olympic distance coach at the moment. Uh, Darren in his own, his own blog will tell you, wasn't the best athlete, but highly effective coach. Um, Jake White, rugby. Um, I mean, you know, th there's so many instances yeah. where top coaches have not necessarily been top athletes. I think what's far more important and what's quite interesting is if you look at the number of top coaches across all sports, many of them have actually come from a teaching background. They've come from an education background. Now I'm thinking of Wooden, for example, the all-time basketball coach. He was a lecturer. He was an English lecturer. McGeehan, Jake White. Yeah. Um, I mean, so many coaches have come from a teaching background. And I think that indicates and that gives a clear clue as to what actually a good coach is. A coach is somebody who can evaluate. A coach is somebody who can review. A coach is somebody who can communicate. Um, and is able to take information and be able to make it tangible to the athlete. And often an elite athlete not in all cases, but in some instances, elite athletes, they're so good at what they do that they actually find it difficult to actually communicate how they do it to other people. They can't dumb it down enough. Yeah, and, and also, I, I just also think sometimes elite athletes are, are great at, at coaching at that level because they know what it takes to compete at that level. But when they get an yep. average athlete like me, if I had to train on a program, and, and I'm just throwing this name out here, I'm not, I'm not saying he's a coach, but if I had to train on, on James Kahneman's program, I would die. There's, there's, yeah. there's just no ways it would happen. Well, I, I can remember when, um, uh, we, when we first got officially into coaching, uh, at least my, my wife Diana did. Now, Adona raced professionally um, at Ironman distance. She raced at Kona as a professional. And uh, she had some people coming up to her and asking her for help. And so she would be writing programs for them and asking me what I think. And that was exactly it. I was like, you're nuts. 
<laughs> yeah, but that's an easy session. No, it was an easy session for you. Exactly. <laughs> not necessarily for them. And I think that's critical. Um, I think it's, uh, the, the coach has to keep a perspective. And anybody who's ever looked at a professional athlete, um, their sheer ability to focus and their sheer ability to be absorbed by what it is they do. Um, perspective is not, not always their, 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 their most refined ability. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you talk about coaches who, who have never done it. I, a prime example, and I'm not saying I'm a great swimmer by any stretch, but my technique's not bad. I'm competent in the water. The woman who I learned to swim, who was my, my swim squad coach when, when I swam pretty competitively in, in primary yep. school, she couldn't swim. Yeah. N- never mind, um, never mind, she was a horrible, she could not swim. Not so, swim. Uh, I mean, it's, there, there's a prime example. I, I, I actually, I refer to my, my approach in swimming. Um, I call physics 101 um, because that's what, we, especially with adults, adults work cognitively. They actually, if you can explain to them that they can think their way through a process, they're far more uh, likely to adapt to it. Um, and I'm not a great swimmer, never have been, but I've taken people from a two minute 10 swim down to a one minute 30 for 100 just by being able to communicate and show them and have them understand what it is they need to do. Yep. Um, again, so it's not necessarily me being able to do it or any other coach being able to do it, it's being able to break it down into key points and communicating that to the athlete. Yeah, so I mean, that's pretty important uh, with, with regards to, to being a coach. Let, let's flip the, the coin, if, if you want to say. If I'm an athlete and I'm looking for a coach, what because mm. I get asked that question lots here on the show, is, is we're looking for a coach, who should we go with? What's, I think that the, the question that needs to be asked is, what should you look for in a coach? First thing you should look for in a coach is, how much interest are they showing in you? For example... Are they taking into account the realities of your life? Now, you've got a child, you have a family, you have a business. Are they prepared to rejig their systems, their approach, their programs to fit you? Um, if I'm working, I've worked with people who work in North Sea oil rigs. Now, there's no way you can't take a standard 12-week program and apply that. Somebody's spending three weeks at a time in a North Sea oil rig. Um, a coach has to be able to work with you. They have to be able to... Um, understand your goals, understand your realities, and then try and fit those together. Um, so again, it comes down to communication. You have to be able to be able to be open and honest with the coach. He's going to be open and honest with you. Other people, uh, where and I've said to other people, other coaches said, Neil, what do you reckon? Now, you can't help them. You can't do what they want to do in that time. So if you're looking for a coach, you've got to have somebody who's flexible. The coach has got to be flexible in their approach. The coach has got to be uh, flexible in the way they deliver um, their sessions. Uh, the coach has got to be flexible in the way you get feedback. Um, you need somebody who has, is prepared to commit to it. You can't, you, uh, coaching is not a, I've got five minutes in the evening, I'll do a program for somebody. It doesn't work that way. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's, got to, it's got to be, I mean, often you, you'll, you'll find... And, and a lot of time it's online. It's not necessarily with, with coaches that mm. you're seeing face-to-face where it's almost like a, a one-size-fits-all sort of training program, which 
you know what? It's it's probably okay to get into triathlon with a sprint uh, sort of training program like that. But when you start looking at longer uh, and 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 more sort of intense sort of training sessions, and and you hit the nail on the head there, Neil. It, it's it's everybody's situation is different. different. I've I've got three kids. Uh, I, I work crazy hours. I, weekends for me are, are out of bounds because of work. So I need to put a lot of training in during the week. Whereas for someone else, it it might be they have no children. They single. They work. They work a job. They start at nine. They finish at five. They got tons of free time. So so everyone is is really different. And and I agree with you. You need to find a coach who's going to look at your situation and tailor make something for the race for your goal that you're working towards. If it isn't tailor made for that person, it's not coaching. It's a training program. Um, one of the uh, I had a conversation with a, a very well respected coach up in the uh, Natal Midlands. Uh, he's coached a number of South African champions over the years, but he's been he's been around for donkey's years. Um, and he actually came on to the level one course, which I found admirable. I mean, but except he's here to learn. And what he said at the end of the course was, for him, what he learned out of it was the difference between training somebody and coaching somebody. And there's a difference between a coaching program and a training program. Um, yeah, if you want to go and get, uh, if you want to work on a system whereby there's a program, go and do it, you'd be better off just going and buying 220 Magazine or TriPlus and just, use, just using that. If a coach is not prepared to sit down with you and revise your programs week in, week out for your, for your individual situation, you're wasting your money. Yeah, and, and it's also a situation where you might have, uh, he might have given you, or I say he, he or she could have given you a, a big week's worth of training and, and you really smashed it. And next week you're feeling really tired. If, if it was a, a, a sort of thing, a 12-week program that you were just emailed, you don't know the intensity. You need to tell your coach, listen, my legs are shot or I'm really battling, I'm feeling tired. And he needs to adjust it, needs you to back off on intensity or distance or time or whatever it is. But, but that, brings us back, that brings us back to the key point. The athletes that do best by the athlete to get the most feedback. Yep. And also, the more feedback you get from an athlete, any coach will tell you, the more feedback you get from an athlete, the more information you can give the athlete. You build up a relationship. And it's chicken and egg. People think that you know, coaches have a good relationship with their best athletes. Mm. Coaches have a relationship with the athletes, and as a consequence of that, those athletes become the best athletes. It's, you, know, you need that two-way communication. And if that's not there, if you don't have a two-way communication, um, then any coaching, even doesn't matter how um, individualized it is, is going to fail. You need to constantly review, evaluate. You can't go down with a 12-week, 24-week, 34-week, 36-week program. You've got to constantly be evaluating it and reviewing it. Yeah. Uh, you, can have, you can have the roadmap. And if uh, any coach with their salt will have periodized and said, that's where we are, that's where we need to get to. And you put a roadmap to that. You periodize for that. But as you will know, <laughs> no journey is ever smooth. There's always peaks and troughs. You pick up that Achilles tendon. You go down with a cold. Your kids have got sick at school. So as a result, four days later, you're sick. Um, so you can't stick to that roadmap. So the coach has got to alter, modify, change. Um, and that's what any decent coach should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. Neil McPherson, I, I, it's a fascinating discussion. I can talk about it for days. And, and the more I hear about this uh, sort of level one training course, the more I think I want to go do it just to, to learn the ins and outs. I think I'm going to pop my name to, to my sort of provincial... Uh, count, uh, is that going to be Cape Town or, or Joburg? <laughs> for now, it's Joburg. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm dead keen to, to learn more. I just This side of things fascinate me. And I get asked tons of questions with what I do here on Try Talk SA. And I'd love to be able to offer more advice. So... Uh, uh, yeah, thank you for your time. I, I think we'll definitely chat again. And uh, yeah, take care. Nice talking to you. Look forward to hearing from you again sometime. Cheers.
what an interesting chat with Neil. So there you have it. So now you know what to look for. If you're looking for a coach or if you want to get into coaching, you now know how to go about it. And that's uh, about a wrap for this week's edition of Try Talk SA. Thanks a lot to Stan as well for joining us this week. Just want to give you a quick heads up. If you haven't checked out the trytalksa.co.za website yet, every single week we feature a Try Talker of the Week. One of you who we think uh, is doing amazing things, uh, balancing everything you need to balance family life, work life, and training for triathlon. And this week's Try Talker of the Week, a really, really special story. I'll tell you what, go to trytalksa.co.za and check out Esther Patience's story. Uh, it's truly inspirational. Do yourself a favor, go check it out just go to trytalksa.co.za and you'll see a little tab there that says uh triathlon heroes click on that on the menu bar and you'll check out esther's story also while you are online if you wouldn't mind taking just a couple of seconds and leaving us uh, a review and a star rating on itunes i would appreciate it hugely it just helps me grow the audience of this podcast and uh, let more people know about the sport that we really love in particular here in South Africa. So until next week, from me, Brad Brown, be in touch podcast at trytalksa.co.za. If you've got any feedback or comments or suggestions, uh, please do be in touch. Also, if you're a race organizer, uh, I've got some great news for you. We've uh, now put up uh, the opportunity or, or put in place the opportunity for you to feature your race here on uh, try Talk SA. So if you want to find out more about that, email me podcast at trytalksa.co.za. I'll send you all the info you need to know on how you can get your race here on the podcast. Until next week, have yourself a brilliant one. Uh, if you're riding the Pick and Pay Cape Argus uh, Cycle Tour or the Argus Pick and Pay Ah, I can't remember how it even goes. I know there's a momentum in there now too. Gee, uh, <laughs> If you're riding the Argus this weekend, good luck. We'll see you down in Cape Town. Cheers.